0: Good morning, everyone, it's Ham Talk Live, episode number 245, the Voice of America Museum virtual tours, stories from Bethany Station recorded live on Thursday, February 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Neil Rapps. My call sign is WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight we're joined by by Jack Dominic, the executive director of the <clears throat> National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting. And we'll take your calls live in a little while. Last week, Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, was here to talk about COVID research results for hams. He gave us an update on his convalescent plasma study and um, how hams... Helped out with that study. So if you missed that show, you can listen anytime at HamTalkLive.com or on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube, or you can catch the rebroadcast of HamTalk Live on WTWW. That's 5085 a.m. Saturday afternoons at about 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. Well, again, uh, several announcements here. Uh, the AM rally is this weekend, so uh, get on AM on 160, 80, 40, 20, 15, 10, and 6 meters, and that starts actually uh, tomorrow night, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, which is 0-100-UTC. Uh, and then it runs through 2 a.m. on Monday, uh, which is 700 UTC on Monday. Um, so just get on uh, a.m. on any radio, whether it's vintage or, or the new fancy stuff, and, and get on and, and talk on a.m. Um, next weekend, Orlando Hamcation's special edition. Uh, will be taking place from 10 until 4 Eastern time at hamcation.com. You can sign up for the webinars. They will also have their QSO party on that uh, day, Saturday the 13th, uh, from 10 until 10, from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern time on saturday the 13th and the webinars will take place on the 13th and the 14th so make sure you check that out and then also coming up in the future march 13th and 14th uh the qso today ham expo will return early bird tickets are ten dollars uh they've just added air meat to uh, facilitate some more interaction what this does is it uh provides a virtual lounge with tables and chairs to do live video hallway meetups so you can visit with people. And uh, the exhibitors will have some demos and answer questions and take orders uh, with the live video. And uh, there'll be some lounges scattered throughout just to go talk with people. So uh, if you're interested in the virtual ham expo, uh, early bird tickets are $10. All right. Well, get your questions ready to go. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you can call us after the interview by telephone. I'll give you the number so you can have it handy. It's not time to call just yet, but uh, we'll give you the phone number, and we'll do that several times throughout the evening. It's 859-982-7373. Again, 859 859- nine, eight, two, 7373. You can also tweet us. It's at ham talk live on Twitter. If you're listening to us on the Spreaker, you can type in the comments and I'll be checking those throughout the evening as well. And I'll be back with Jack right after this word from tower electronics right here on ham talk
1: live. Jerry, what's up, man? I haven't seen you at Sunbox in a while. I used to see you every morning getting coffee. What's up?
2: Well, I can't afford Sunbucks five days a week anymore. I had to spend my money on PL-259s. You know, those antenna projects I've been meaning to do. I had to do them before my HOA finds out I have antennas.
1: That's too bad, Jerry. I miss seeing you and catching up over coffee. You should get your PL-259s from Tower Electronics. They have great stuff. jerry you're back oh qrm heterodyne frappuccino that's a good choice how's it going did you get all those antennas up before the hoa police showed up
2: yeah i got them all done thanks for telling me about tower electronics now i can have my coffee i just saved a bunch of money on my pl259s by switching to tower electronics
3: don't get caught without PL-259s. Visit Tower Electronics online at pl-259.com or at a hamfest near you. Or give them a call at 920-435-2973 and be sure to pick up some power poles, adapters, and cables too.
1: Right now, you could be taking a DX expedition to North Korea and work the pile-up of the century. But instead, you've decided to listen to Ham Talk Live. We thank you. And now, here's Neil Rapp with more of the show.
0: Welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show. They are planning on being at Dalton, Georgia, assuming that that uh, ham fest is still going on February 27th. But you can visit them anytime online at pl-259.com. Well, welcome back to Ham Talk Live. Tonight, Jack Dominic joins us on the Orlando Amateur Radio Club and Hamcation Zoom line. Jack is the executive director of of the National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting in Westchester, Ohio. Jack worked for 37 years at PBS station WCET-TV, doing everything from station manager to executive vice president, chief operating officer, uh, tech blog writer, and marketing director. And now he's uh, working full-time to keep the stories from the Voice of America Bethany station alive and well for generations to come so jack thank you for being on the show tonight
2: oh neil it is a pleasure it's uh always great to talk about the voice of america
0: well i i really enjoy the museum and i enjoy seeing you over there when, when i can it, it seems like it's been forever uh with all this <laughs> covid stuff going on um <clears throat> but uh i i just uh just fell in love with the place and We've been uh, sharing a lot of things about it on this show from time to time, and and I, I was really um, you know uh, encouraged to see some emails here recently uh, because you know the doors have been closed for a lot of the past year, not all of it, but uh, for a lot of it, and there was already some talk I know of of, of heading in a ver- more virtual direction. Um, and being closed just kind of made that a little more important. So, so this new video series allows people to visit the museum that, you know, can't visit the museum right now because it's closed, but, but may not (laughs) be able to ever visit because because of the distance. So tell us a little bit about this series and exactly why this video series is being done for these virtual tours.
2: Well thanks. Uh we were going to do the tours uh the video tours anyway, but as you said, uh with the COVID situation, uh we've had to uh be closed oh the majority of uh well all of this year so far and a great part of last year obviously. And that's due to a couple things. Uh first of all, we're essentially a all volunteer organization. I'm the only guy that gets money to be there. Uh, everybody is a volunteer, and, uh, you know, all of our tour guides, our docents, are volunteers, and uh, many of those folks are retired, and it's not at all uh, surprising that, you know, you you don't want to be out in a crowd of people at a museum if you can help it. Uh, So, the video series is really, was always on our mind to, to, to just kind of give little, we try to keep them as short, three minutes max, maybe three and a half minutes, of one element. Uh, maybe it's a display or a person or uh, some thing about the museum that may be interesting and also can be be told in a very short time. So we started off, and uh, we've well, we've got what. Two that have been, uh, we're doing them about twice a month. First part of the month and the middle of the month. So just, uh, last Monday, we released one and we will release another one toward the middle of February and keep going that way. Tw- two a month. Uh, but the videos are not meant to replace a visit. Uh, although, uh, you know, I guess if we, you watched a- enough of them, eventually we'll get to most of the exhibits. Uh, but as you said Neil the the Voice of America Bethany station uh just north of Cincinnati is perhaps uh well not perhaps it it is it is perhaps the the most important uh historical uh record of the voice of the Voice of America which which was and is uh still very very important uh to many millions of people around the world.
0: And, and we've got some cool stories that we want to talk about, about how important that is to people around the world. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll do that here sure. uh, in a little bit. But uh, if people want to tune in and watch these videos, how do they do that? How do they, do that? Oh, how do they do, go on oh, a
2: virtual tour? It's pretty simple. You just go to our website, which is easy, VOA Museum. That's one word voamuseum.org and right up at the top uh, one of the things visit the museum and you'll click on that and we're going to library them as we we, uh, put them out Uh, also if you are on our mailing list and many of your uh, listeners perhaps are uh, each month you'll get a notice that there's a video and actually we give you a link uh, so you don't even have to go to the website uh, if you're interested in getting on uh, on our uh, our email list really simple just go to the website and there's an area where it says contact and you just fill in your name and we'll add you to the list
0: yeah that's where I saw them mm-hmm. uh, I knew knew they were coming but uh, when I knew they were out when uh, the emails arrived so it's always good to uh, to sign up for that and be able to Get noticed that, hey, a new one is, is up and running. So give it a little bit of an idea, you know, to, to folks out there listening, you know, why why was this important? Why should they go out and watch these videos? If you had to twist
2: somebody's arm, <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> well, I think to understand the, the, the impact of the Voice of America, uh, you know, a lot of people Uh, don't know anything about the voice of America. And you know, that that shouldn't be surprising uh, because it wasn't for us. (laughs) Uh, It wasn't aimed at us. And as you know, and your listeners know, perhaps better than most uh, shortwave radio in the United States, unlike the rest of the world, uh, really never took off except for uh, uh, the hobbyist area. Uh, But, the voice of America's impact uh, around the world uh, can't be understated, uh, and some of the stories we're talking about. For instance, um, the first video that we uh, put out was on uh, the Volksenfanger. How do you like that? My my German yeah, isn't all that <laughs> isn't that all that very good, but the Fonger was a radio. Now, your listeners will all. Re- remember from their study of history that Hitler and, and Goebbels and all of those folks had a keen understanding of the importance of propaganda and Goebbels is, is quoted as saying the radio is going to be extremely and the dominant source of information. He, he, he was well ahead of the, the, uh, the curve so they embraced radio, but they were also afraid of radio. Uh, radio, as you know, uh, doesn't have fences, or at least not easily fenced in or fenced out. But what they did is they developed a radio called the Bolzenfunker. and they did a couple things. First of all, they made sure that it was affordable. Now radios back then. Now we're you know we're in the late thirties, uh, early forties. Uh, They were expensive. So they made them inexpensive. And one of the ways they did that is they made them not very sensitive so that they were unable to pick up BBC or later on the Voice of America or almost any other Western radio station. Uh, Now, during this period, the Nazis had 68 Sixty eight radio stations in Germany, constantly beaming out Hitler's fake news and into the Boltsenfonger. So the Boltsenfonger, perhaps, uh, not perhaps, is the reason that Voice of America was created, because President Roosevelt says, you know, They're doing one heck of a job getting their message out, not a good message, but they're doing a darn good job of getting it out. What can we do? And that's what prompted his idea of building out high power radio transmitters here in the United States, capable of putting signals into Europe, North Africa, and South America. South America was extremely important, if you remember your history. Uh, Hitler kept saying, uh, you know, if we, we rile people up in South America, maybe the Americans will pay more attention down there and pay no attention to what's going on in Europe. That was that was one of the things he was trying to do. But anyway, uh, so that the Bolsenfager, that radio, uh, spawned the whole concept of the Voice of America. And ultimately... Bethany Station, because Bethany Station, where the museum is, was the first transmission facility for the Voice of America. Now, a lot of people will say they study their history and they say, wait a minute, did the Voice of America start in nineteen forty-two? But you didn't build the building until and and get on the air until forty forty-four? Well, the answer to that is yes. But if you've been to the Bethany station and Neil, you know what is down the street, don't you? Oh,
0: I do. Yes. <laughs> this beautiful, beautiful tower.
2: <laughs> that's right. And that tower was WLW. Uh, now across the street from that tower that was not, that's not there any longer was some other towers, uh, some rhombics and we all, or many of your listeners, will recognize WLW as the AM powerhouse that Crosley, Powell Crosley, built in Cincinnati, and at one time operated at five hundred thousand watts, making it the the most powerful AM station legal, <laughs> legally operating. <laughs> I must, I must say. Uh,
0: and by uh, the way, let me let me interject this real quick too. Um, don't get any ideas, folks, about the AM rally this weekend. <laughs> Fifteen hundred watts is the max. Sorry, uh, we had to throw well, that well, in I,
2: there. Uh, I do have this transmitter down in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could be bought. I'm not sure I want to pay the electric bill uh, yeah. but anyway, across the street, across the street was W L W O. When. Roosevelt decided he wanted to build transmitters that could reach those uh, Europe, especially. Uh, a lot of folks said it couldn't be done, except this guy in Cincinnati said, well, we're already doing it. <laughs> Crosley was already operating WLWO shortwave uh, and sending a programming uh, to Europe. Uh, so, uh, the first broadcasts of Voice of America were not from Bethany Station, but they were from a tower about half a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> Bethany Station, of course, wasn't wasn't finished yet. So these and, are the, the. Go ahead.
0: And these I are remember. The story. Oh, okay. We're doubling here. Uh, I remember, you know, the Bethany station being that place that we drove by going to the Dayton Hamvention on 75 that had miles and miles of wires strung out. And your AM radio would like (laughs) just go nuts. It would would just desense the radio so bad that you couldn't hear anything on any frequency. and, And that that was it. But but you know there are these stories like this that that you know still have some some meaning and right. and, and you can come right. in and and see all of these things and learn about them at the museum.
2: What is what is I think really um, uh, it's very emotional. We get people at the museum when we're open, and we'll be hopefully they'll be back open in the spring. Uh, People come to Cincinnati and then they find out, wait a minute, isn't that where Bethany Station, you know, these people coming from other countries. We'll have people walking in the front door with tears in their eyes Uh, and they'll each of them relates a different story. You know, I listened, uh, you know, in my grandfather's uh, attic because we weren't allowed to listen. Uh, The government wouldn't allow us to listen where that's where I learned English or that's where I learned that I wanted to move to the United States. Uh, the stories are amazing. Uh, there's some really emotional ones, and there's some funny ones as well. Um, uh, and and yeah, let's f- talk about one
0: of those because you've got the blanket radio video, uh-huh. and and right. some of the stories that I've I know that I've heard from from docents uh, of people coming in and saying, you know. I had one of those blanket radios. That was the only way that we we had any kind of news. So so talk talk about exactly. some of those stories that's, of people coming that, in. That,
2: that that's exactly like the the video that we just released. Uh, it's called the Under the Blanket Radio. And what that mean uh, so I guess it's been about 4 years uh, you know I was sitting in the office and a gentleman and his wife came to the front door and and knocked on the door during the week. We weren't open during that time. But I went down and I greeted him and I said, I'm sorry, we're not open right now. We'll be open this weekend. He said, no, 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 no. I don't want to see the museum. I want to give you something. And he presented me with a plastic uh, uh, radio, uh, transistor radio uh, that he purchased when he lived in Ukraine. He and his wife Uh, were were Ukrainian. They had since moved to the United States and it was a, you know, it's pretty standard radio. I mean, you probably have one in your garage. You listen to the baseball game on, you know, nothing special. In fact, it was kind of beat up Uh, and he could tell from my expression that uh, Neil, you've been to our facility. We don't need another radio. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) We have a few. Yeah, we have a few, but, then he said, you don't understand. And then he relates this story. He said, I bought this radio when we lived in Ukraine. It was manufactured in the Soviet Union during the Cold War. And it was designed such that it didn't have the capacity to listen. Remember the uh, the Volszenfanger? Uh, <laughs> it didn't have the capacity to to pick up easily the voice of america or any western station he said uh then he had this gleam in his eye and he said but i knew a guy and his wife relates that there was a gentleman in their village who rewired all these radios for people so they could listen and she said we called them the under the blanket radio because you weren't allowed to listen to western broadcasts especially the voice of america but Felix says that's the only place we would ever find what was really going on. Uh, and another guy uh, come in one time and he said, yeah, in the Soviet Union, airplanes never crash. Crops are always good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, there, there are just tons of, of emotional stories. And then your story about driving to Dayton and losing, you know, your radio and all of that. I mean... There are so many funny stories, and we had a gentleman come in the uh, in the museum the last oh last uh, probably in September, I guess we were open, and he was from across the street from Bethany Station. He went to the church over there. Okay, well that church was built when Bethany Station was still in operation, but it was uh, when they were building the church. The engineers from Bethany Station went across the street and met with. Uh, the, uh, construction people and said, um, would you like us to help you with your PA system? <laughs> you know where this is.
0: <laughs> oh, I know. You,
2: you know where this know is going. Exactly where it's going.
0: <laughs>
2: so anyway, they said, Oh, no, no. Well, we're, we're, we know exactly what we're doing. Uh, well, thank you very much. And, okay. So see you later. Well, of course, the first time the church opened, uh, they were right smack dab in the, path of our south american transmitter which fires up at noon or fired up at noon okay well the the pastor was still preaching but he was speaking spanish (laughs) 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 but the funny the funny part of that is is of course they fixed it eventually but uh the gentleman who still goes to that church and remembered this okay he said We love the voice of America because we knew that the pastor could never speak (laughs) after new. After 12. So so he he said the service was always over and we were always at the restaurants before all the other churches.
0: yeah <laughs> that and that's not the only story i know the, kind of oh, no. similar to that uh oh there's there was a church next door to an am station and they're getting ready to do their christmas program and they bring oh. up you know, the lights and bring up the audio <laughs> and all of a sudden they hear and this bud is for you oh yeah oh yeah and but, yeah but, and if you, if you but, visit the ham shack if, if you visit oh, the yeah. ham shack at the museum You'll notice right. that there's an extra tuner on every radio. That's because <laughs> WLW is a half mile away.
2: <laughs> but the, 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 seriously, though, that uh, we are making great strides. We're in in construction right now. We're building a new exhibit hall, uh, new meeting facilities, et cetera. And uh, it is, uh, I apologize. I should have turned that down. Um, um, uh, it, it, the, the building is is just a marvelous facility. And to see what the engineers were able to do, you have to remember that in 1942, when you were building a transmitter, especially a quarter million watt transmitter, you didn't j- go down to Radio Shack and, and pick up parts. <laughs> uh, yep. These early transmitters were built screw by screw. Wire by wire, coil by coil, uh, for this facility, designed and, and built right there. The only pieces that were not built in Cincinnati were the tubes, and they were they were manufactured by federal over in the, on the East Coast. But everything else was was put together in, in Cincinnati. And at, when I say put together, uh, I mean that. And then, of course, the design of the antenna field that you talk about, which was when we were in operation, was one square mile, 20-plus rhombic antennas, plus a curtain antenna for Europe. Uh, And just all of those antennas, that design of those antennas, they were called reentrant rhombics, and your more adroit uh, transmitter people will understand that. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, the specifications for those antennas were considered a top secret well into uh, after the Cold War.
0: Yeah, well, it, it, was, it was a sight to see, and you can still see the tower legs. You can't see the, the whole antenna, and, and it would have made a right. great, great 160-meter right. antenna, but
2: <laughs> oh, well. Wow. But we do yeah. have, as you know, we have the uh, <laughs> we have the diorama, as you know, uh, that we built yes. to sh- to show how, how that how that looked. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right. Well, we're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back, and we're going to take some questions, and we're going to talk more about. Um, some of the renovations and, and things that are going on and uh, a little more about the, uh, the virtual tours at the uh, Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting when we come back after this word from ICOM America right here on Ham Talk Live. Love is on the air at ICOM with this sweetheart of a package. It's the IC705. The perfect sidekick for hams that like to enjoy what both the great indoors and outdoors have to offer. It's the perfect QRP companion, base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers in a portable package covering HF 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at just over 2 pounds with RF direct sampling for most of the HF band and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. It has a 4.3-inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall, runs 5 watts with a battery, 10 watts with a power supply cw am fm sideband full d star functions a micro usb connector bluetooth wireless lan integrated gps a micro sd card slot and a speaker mic comes standard and it supports QRP and QRP portable operations. And the perfect accessory for the 705 is the now available optional backpack LC-192 with a special compartment for your IC-705 and room for accessories for soda activations or just a day in the park. Some other accessories include a QRP portable magnetic antenna, a standard battery, a lithium-ion battery pack, micro USB cable, usb to micro usb cable a dc power cable a compact lapel push to talk bluetooth with earphone a desktop tray and the antenna tuner is coming soon and there's free software available to download the programming software the android app the terminal mode access point mode application and the smartphone picture utility for android ios and windows and the rsba1 ip remote control software is sold separately Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on
1: icom radios. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 859 982 7373. Again, the number to call is 859 982 7373. Or, if you'd rather type than talk, tweet us at Ham Talk Live. Now, here's Neil Rapp with more Ham Talk Live. Here's the snap. Rap takes the rig. He breaks through the pileup. He's on 80, now 40, now 20, 15, 10, 2 meters. Touchdown Ham Talk Live.
0: Back to Ham Talk Live. Thanks to ICOM America for sponsoring the show. Check them out at ICOMAmerica.com/slash amateur and check out Ham Talk Live every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right here at HamTalkLive.com. And also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, before we go back to Jack and take some of your questions, it's time, yes, once again for the ham talk live ham radio joke of the week with n9 gsu now it's time
1: for the ham talk live ham radio joke of the week the part of the show where rick tells us a ham radio joke the ham talk live ham radio joke of the week is brought to you by qrm labs now here's rick garrett n9 gsu with today's ham talk live joke of the week Talking to a fella on the local repeater yesterday, and I said, "You sound just like Bill Withers." And he said, "I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know." This has been the Ham Talk Live, Ham Radio Joke of the Week with Rick Garrett in nine GSU. Tune in again next week for another joke from Rick.
0: Oh, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. And, and look out next week. I, I just, I just got it, the one for next week earlier today. And oh my goodness. So thank you, Rick. Appreciate it. 859-982-7373 is the phone number. We're here with Jack Dominic, the executive director of the. National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting. So if you have a question, now is the time to call. It's 859-982-7373, or you can tweet us at Ham Talk Live, uh, or <clears throat> you can type in the comments on Spreaker. And if you're listening to us on WTWW Shortwave or... Uh, On the podcast edition, you won't be able to reach us live since uh, we're doing this on Thursday. We do have a couple of questions uh, that came in on Twitter here. So uh, first off, let's uh, talk uh, about Jacob, KG7EQN, who would like to know, do you have any recommendations on books to read about the VOA? Um.
2: Perhaps the most uh, academic, if you are really into the history and the and the geopolitical uh, impact, et cetera, is a book by a gentleman by the name of Alan Heil, uh, and it's called "Voice of America: uh, A VOA History." You can get that on. Uh, it's H-E-I-L, by the way, and I noticed it is available on Amazon, which, by the way, I was surprised because I thought it was out of print, but apparently it is is available. If you want something a little bit uh, lighter reading, there is a section in Rusty McClure's book about Powell Crosley Jr., and... Uh, that's Crosley, uh, the two brothers. again, that's available uh, on on Amazon as well. Crosley and the Voice of America are, are really joined at the hip as we as we discussed before. It, it Bethany Station is in Northern Cincinnati for one reason and one reason only, and that is that's where the expertise for building High power antennas resided back in the ni- early 1940s, and they resided at the Crosley Corporation, headed by Powell Crosley.
0: All right, and then uh, Lloyd KC5FM wants to know when did VOA start and why? And I know we got some of that. We touched already,
2: but it, it, very simply. Sure, very, very simply. 1942. President Roosevelt wanted to combat the Nazi, uh, propaganda, lies, fake news. He called some people together in Washington DC from NBC, Mutual, CBS, uh, all the big radio folks, and then a small radio guy in Cincinnati by the name of Paul Crosley. Called them all to Washington DC and said, what would it take to build out a system of transmitting, uh, into europe especially and then north africa and south america uh, so we can get our messages out now it's really interesting if you read the literature and i believe it's in allen's book uh, there were many engineers uh, in washington dc with the federal government it said this thing had to be in greenland uh, in order to do it Uh, well apparently they discussed that uh, at this meeting and gentleman uh, in the in the back of the room kind of raised his hand and said uh, excuse me but we're already doing it. <laughs> and that of course was the, was was the Crosley uh, uh, tie-in but that that's in 1942 uh, interestingly enough Voice of America was very very in, uh, important during World uh, the, World War II there's no doubt about that but it was more important during the Cold War, uh, and probably had more of an impact on in the Cold during the Cold War for a variety of reasons. First of all, the the, the uh, number of radios, <laughs> you know, for a normal person to, to have a radio, etc. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the fact that getting uh, reliable information, if you happen to live in one of the Soviet uh, uh, Soviet states, was hard to come by
0: yeah okay well there's uh, a little more about that lloyd so thank you lloyd and thank you jacob for your questions and we have a caller on the line so let's see uh who we have on the phones good evening welcome to ham talk live
3: good evening gentlemen hello neil great uh, this is my first time listening to you guys um but i uh, i appreciate it i'm a long time listener I also wound up with a great career since retired as a transmitter engineer, um, both with the NBC networks, I got shipped all around the country to help the affiliates, as well as uh, full-time with uh, the old RKO General WOR, um, and worked with a bunch of guys who were uh, Armstrong engineers um, just towards the end of their careers. Quick question. So over the years, did VOA do any frequency shifting regarding the signals into Russia, Soviet Union, as they began their jamming techniques? Absolutely, uh, absolutely.
2: In and fact, how, how uh, quick did you guys do that? Well, it's it's that's pretty interesting. Uh, the early Crosley transmitters, okay, that the first ones put in, took forever to switch frequencies. I mean, like 15 or 20 minutes, but the new Collins uh, trans transmitters that were put in were very agile. And within a few seconds uh, now, of course, you also had antenna issues that had to be, had to be addressed. Um, But um, no, the jamming jamming was uh, a big deal. And there were many, many different ways of going about that. Uh, a very interesting one if you come to the museum uh, we have a display of the USS Cur- United States Coast Guard cutter courier does that ring a bell to you of anything
3: it does yes sir I also uh-huh. I, I as I when I got out of school I, I worked um, with an organization at Fort Meade in Maryland so I have uh, an idea <laughs>
2: well what the, what the courier was the the courier was a Coast Guard cutter uh could not a cutter a coast guard ship that was anchored in the in the harbor uh off the coast of greece and it received signals from bethany station uh received them and then retransmitted them with a high power am transmitter on board right into the heart of the soviet union uh no kidding was, we had a repeater on board a ship we had a repeater yep. and and early on the way they received it but, was by taking a barrage balloon from you know the world war 2 barrage balloons <laughs> a big that was the, that was that was the antenna uh, uh, now later on uh, they, they did build a, uh, a, a receiving station on land, but there was a lot of politics. You might say, why in the heck did they do this in a ship? Well, the Greeks didn't want it on their land because they didn't want to get the Soviets upset. Originally, the United States said, well, we'll send a Navy ship. And they said, no, 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 no. A Navy ship is a ship of war. A coast guard yeah. ship is not a ship of war, so I mean, there's all kinds of political intrigue and uh, uh, that went into that. But the Courier is, is a great example. Uh, the, the 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 broadcast, yes, but the whole business of, of, of shifting um, the Courier actually uh, j- just I forget the the strength of the of the transmitters, but it was a, it was an AM transmitter. Uh, directional right up into the uh, the belly of the Soviet Union. In fact, I'm I often wondered whether or not Felix's radio was the one that picked it up. So. <laughs> Interesting.
3: Well, good, gentlemen, good everybody we'll stay be. healthy. You guys all stay healthy, and we'll we'll see you on the radio. All
2: right. <laughs> come visit well, the you museum can, sometime. Yeah, if
0: you ever come visit the museum, uh, th- th- this hmm. may. Uh, be something that's a little more technical uh on this but there there's some really cool technical stuff in that oh, yeah. room <laughs> Great. about how they changed frequencies and and what they did to change frequencies so fast so if you get a chance mm-hmm. you, you need to come check that out it, it's 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 very cool well
3: yeah i i'm, I'm glad that that you know there that you guys are still keeping the history. And I'm also thrilled that we finally have Voice of America News back in where it should be. So (laughs) you all have a really, you know, um, and uh, I hope that you guys, again, like I said, stay healthy. Uh, We're up here in uh, the high country in Arizona on the desert. You want to talk about great reception? (laughs) Nothing in my way. Gentlemen, enjoy. Have a great one.
0: All right. Thank you so much for calling in. We appreciate it. And if you go to Hamvention, that's always a good time to visit. It's always a good little side trip when you, if you go to Hamvention. All right.
2: Yeah. Go ahead, Jack. Neil, I one of the things I wanted to say while I was thinking of it is that um, the the museum is, is, uh, is, is really an important uh, part of of history. And, um, the ham club uh, that actually is at the museum, uh, the Westchester Amateur Radio Association. And of course, uh, uh, the members of that ham club have really been critical to the development of the museum, not only from the ham side of the business, but just overall, the support uh, that they give on a on a uh, daily basis to the museum is is outstanding. So the ham community around the United States should be extremely proud of what their uh, uh, their folks are are doing here in Cincinnati.
0: Uh, it's a great group of people, and I'm proud to be uh, a part of them. Well, let's talk a little bit. We're we're already overtime, but I want to talk a little bit about. The renovations that are going on because you know things are closed down, but but you've right. got a lot of things going on right now. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the renovations that are sure. going on
2: before we sign off here. Sure. Very very quickly, uh, we have a 1944 building that was built uh, to withstand a direct hit. <laughs> In other words, you you don't it's do a really lot solid. of. Ch- it's pretty solid. I mean, when you have 18-inch uh, concrete uh, walls between offices. <laughs> 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 but anyway, the building was never, ever can, built to to have people in it. I mean, other than the, uh, the operators. Uh, and as a museum where you need to have people who can, you know, accessibility, et cetera, just you know it was a disaster uh there's steps there's curbs there's you know there are more floors you it's, you would think it's only like a three story building but you know when you get to the levels it's probably a 10 story uh, building well, anyway the bottom line is is that in order to uh, to make it accessible for people uh people who may have uh mobility issues you can't have all these these steps and curbs, et cetera. So we're in the process of building out a, a new entrance, uh, a, a secondary entrance. <coughs> Pardon me, excuse me. Uh, I don't have a cough button on my mic. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, we're building a new entrance, uh, new restrooms. Uh, when the building was built, well, first of all, when the building was built, you know, I don't want to sound sexist, but they didn't worry about women's bathrooms. I mean, what women's, we didn't have any women there, you know. Uh, and it obviously, you didn't have to have a bathroom that a wheelchair or a walker could come in because people who were in wheelchairs and walkers didn't go to work. Uh, all of those things have to be addressed. So we're in the process of putting in. New ADA compliant restrooms. We're leveling all the floors, getting away f- way of getting away from all of the barriers. Uh, we're building a brand new uh, meeting room uh, that can be used for exhibits, for community uh, organizations to meet, uh, receptions, our own lecture series, etc and uh all of this is going on right now, which uh right now the building has got more plaster and concrete dust. I'm kind of glad we're not open but that's that's all going on and with a little luck uh we'll be done with that uh when we really you know get back to being normal
0: yeah whatever whatever that's going to look like <laughs> <laughs> that's that's right well jack you you've uh <laughs> been a a wealth of information here tonight and uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on the show um and talk about some of these things that are going on while things are shut down and and these videos so that you know if you are out in arizona and you can't make it to the museum you know you can check out uh what's going on and if you want a little preview and see if you know that's uh You know, a trip you want to take or again, you know, for for the ham radio operators, you know, always mention hamvention weekend because if, you know, you can do two things in one trip, uh, you know, you can kind of see what to expect and and see if that's, uh, you know, something that you would want to to visit. So uh, I think this uh, virtual tour is a a really cool thing and uh, I'm glad that you were able to come on and share that with
2: us tonight. Well, thank you for letting us uh, get the message out, and uh, uh, we're always open uh, online, so uh, feel free to go to voamuseum.org, and if you want to be on our mailing list, and we promise not to bombard you with a lot of junk mail, uh, uh, so uh, feel free to sign up, and we'll get you on our mailing list. All right.
0: Thanks so much, Jack. All right. You have a good day. Uh, you too. And that is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guest, Jack Dominic, uh, from the National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting in Westchester, Ohio. That's voamuseum.org. Uh, and everybody out there uh, in cyberspace for listening and calling in and typing in. And I invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern time when Tim Helming, WT1IM, will be here to talk about the Calm Academy. It's a communications academy um, for uh, emergency communications, but it's going to be virtual this year. Um, So we'll take a look at that next week. And for a list of all of our upcoming guests, visit hamtalklive.com. And before we go, we want to uh announce uh, again the uh t-shirt giveaway. We're giving away some free t-shirts out of the reviews that are left on iTunes throughout February. So sometime in February, uh get on iTunes, search Hamtalk Live, click on the logo, scroll down, and hit write a review. Leave a review. Make sure you leave your call sign there so I can get a hold of you if you win. And uh, we're going to give away some T-shirts this month, so that's your chance to uh, to win some free stuff. So for now, this is Neil Rapp WB9VPG saying seven three seven five, and may the good DX be yours. <laughs>